When I get down, I pop in one of your tapes. Now, is that smart? Or should they pop in the tape before they get down? It's easier to stay up than it is to get up. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we look at the concept of how we stay up and positive instead of low and negative. Zig Ziglar gives us a short message telling us of how people often come up to him and say, Zig, I I was feeling so down. I was so low. Then I read your books or listened to your messages again and got back up. And while that is great, of course, Zig asked the question, wouldn't it be better to be continually working to stay up and not get so low to begin with? And he states it's easier to stay up than to get up. And before you question whether this is really realistic, have you heard this quote from Zig? People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. I mean, truly think about it. Do you take a shower and then wait multiple days until your hair is greasy and you have really rank BO before you shower again? Or do you just kind of keep on top of it? Hey, if you go to a place of employment every day, or if you're married like me, I'll bet you tend to personal go, you know, keep on top of your personal hygiene every day. Well, Zig is calling us to tend to our motivational hygiene daily before our attitude gets greasy and rank. So from this message, I posted this question on Facebook. I asked, what do you do consistently to strengthen and prepare yourself? Number one, physically, two, mentally, and three, emotionally to be well and better withstand life's challenges. Then if you'd also state number four, which area do you struggle with most? Well, we got a load of responses, of course, and Tom Ziegler and I talked through them. You'll be very interested, I think, to hear what all was shared. It really got us both inspired. So we'll kick off with a one minute clip from Zig after I share some great resources. Okay, friends, here then is a one-minute message from the master of motivation himself, Zig Ziglar. You know, this always mystified me. I've had people telling me for years and years and years, you know, Zig, when I get a little down, I pop in one of your tapes. And man, it always gives me a lip. I always thought they were talking about a psychological lip. I've since learned that they're talking about a whole lot more than that. But let me tie that to another question. How many of you, as a general rule, deliberately drive your automobiles until it's completely out of gas and you're at the mercy of other motorists to take you to the car and get a refill? How many of you do that on purpose? Not accidentally, but on purpose. Or how many of you, as a general rule, when you see the empty needle moving toast to empty, you say, you know, I got to go get me some gasoline. How many of you generally do that? Can I see your hand? These salespeople and other people say to me, when I get down, I pop in one of your tapes. Now, is that smart? Or should they pop in the tape before they get down? It's easier to stay up than it is to get up. All right. Well, there you go. So again, from this message, I posted a question on Facebook as I do every week. And I invite you to join in and lend us your wisdom and experience. You can find me and friend me on Facebook at agent K as in Kevin, agent K Miller. So for this show, I posted this question. What do you do consistently to strengthen and prepare yourself? Number one, physically two mentally and three emotionally 
to be well and better withstand life's challenges. Then if you'd also state number four, which area you struggle with most. So here now, Tom Ziegler and I talk through your comments. Okay, Tom, well, my main muse on this from your dad's message there was that aspect of it's, it's easier to stay up than to get up. And so thinking from that preventative aspect, which you and I are so often talking about for our, for our own lives, as well as others, uh, you know, hitting that physically, what do you do physically, mentally, emotionally, and then what area do you struggle with the most? Had some really good sharings on Facebook, but uh, of course I want to hear yours. Well, you know, I shared mine on Facebook. I guess that doesn't mean it's on the podcast. So I'll do a quick rundown folks. I, you know, I shared physically, I exercise five to six days a week. Uh, I do alternate between weights and resistance training and then cardio, right? And for me, that's running and mountain biking with nutrition. I do intermittent fasting six, seven days per week, which for me, you can go read lots on that, but I just don't eat breakfast. I don't eat till 12 o'clock, one o'clock or so. So I spend the morning feeling hungry. Uh, thank goodness for coffee. I eat a light lunch, usually primarily veggies and a good dinner. That's primarily veggies, but frequently fish and, uh, sometimes some rice or quinoa. Uh, that's the physical nutrition side, mentally morning devotions and journaling. I read inspiring material almost daily. And of course I'm incredibly fortunate that twice a week I get to do one of these shows, uh, one with an interviewer, one, a Q and a like this. And so the, the benefit to me, I think is second to none of getting to take in that positive information, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, quiet times in the morning for me is key to start that day off instead of just going into the hecticness. And that's hard. That's the hard sacrifice. Cause I got to go to bed early enough to get enough sleep, to get up early enough to have that time. But it has become sacred to me. Um, almost daily at my office, I sit out on the deck with my business partner. We take a deep breath, give thanks for our food and, and eat while we talk. Sometimes it's about business. Sometimes it's just about life. And then every Thursday morning, I meet with three to four guys to talk about life. We do life together and encourage, support each other. Uh, and then getting into the woods alone for me, and I know that's not, not possible for everybody, but that could be a park for you, but just getting time alone in nature for me, for me is incredibly beneficial. Sometimes that's a ride or a run. Uh, sometimes it's just go out there and stand. Um, and then, you know, I ask everybody to, you know, where's the area you struggle with? And for me, it is in that last one, emotional tending to myself emotionally kind of soul care has gotten to be a term and that's my weakest link. I tend to want to just produce and do and go and serve. And I don't take time to what helps center me emotionally. And I, I will have to make a call out to show five ninety nine with Shalene Johnson. Actually, you know what? I think it was the show six Oh one, the habits show with Shalene that she talked about looking at different opportunities, endeavors, and and asking herself, how does she want this thing to make her feel? How does she want to feel as a result? And man, that word feel, Tom, is not a big part of my vocabulary, it has not been naturally. I've tried to, I try to say that more instead of, you know, I think this, or I think this to say, I feel, uh, has been a, a big shift for me. So here, there's a quick rundown of kind of what I was shooting for on this, but yeah, Tom, I want to know yours. All right. Well, you're kind of making me feel like a slug over here. Um, no, al no. Also, uh, life has been crazy. Mm. Uh, you know, mom passed away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. July 27th. So we're looking right at it. We're coming up right on a month. I still can't believe it. So 
some of this is going to be what I've been doing currently. And some of it's going to be what I like to do, but obviously the last month has just been, you know, you just take life one day at a time. Well, Hey Tom, can, can we speak to that real quick? Sure. Well, would you like? well, just that, just the cycles of life, you know, there's a time, there's a season. And obviously we're talking about health in a big sense and, and it's stuff that we should do all the time forever. But yeah, life does happen. And I think that's important too. I've seen you do that. And I've seen myself do that where something happens and it, it does derail some of those things and you're not real in balance and you're, you're out of balance and, uh, really having to devote somewhere else to other things for whatever reason that that happens. And I think it's great for us all to be at peace with that and realize it. And that the point is that just to get back in it. And I love the aspect of muscle memory. I mean, that is true. Our muscles have memory. I was a professional cyclist. I can not ride a bike for a year and get back on and do fairly well. It's amazing muscle memory we have. And I think we have that in our brain. Uh, they're proving that now we have those, that memory. And so these things that we do, even when we fall off, I know that you to be off because of a life event, you will jump back in and resume and you'll get back up to speed in such a quick fashion. Yeah. Muscle memory is something. And I, I think the word's a little misnomer. It's actually the way your brain's wired mm. that triggers the muscles. That's good. So, that's good. Uh, yeah. So the muscle memory is triggering off your brain, but let's just, you know, life happened. Um, less sleep, uh, a lot more emotions, the things that were seemed important the day before just aren't important anymore. Hmm. Um, as you come to realization and, and, you know, start to get things in order. Uh, I mean, Kevin, just cleaning out mom and dad's place and uncovering memory after memory after memory. And, you know, you go through that little emotional thing. And then I look back at all the memories and I'm like, oh, my goodness, every single one of these memories is good. Mm. Who can say that? <laughs> Not many. Uh, you know, it's like, golly, I mean, I, I meet and work with people every day who, you know, my own parents didn't have that from their childhood. Dad lost his father when he was five. Mom lost her dad to suicide when she was 10. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when I just look at these two people who impacted, you know, so many lives and dad said it better than anybody. He said, you would have never heard of me if it hadn't been from the redhead. Hmm. So how did, how did mom, who was a little girl at 10 years old and she hears a gunshot and the family goes into the other room and her dad had killed her, killed himself. Goodness. I mean, how do you, I mean, to me, that's just something that, wow, that's a, that's a life. I mean, that is a life changing event. Well, mom and dad had something in common. They, they got to a point in their life where they, they chose, they said, you know what? I can't change what happened to me, but I can change what I do next. And so they both just went on the journey together uh, to lift and build each other up every day and to constantly grow themselves. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. Yeah. So the last month for me has been a lot of, uh, of gratitude, a lot of, uh, thankfulness, a lot of, I really miss mom. Mm. I mean, let's 90 years. And so life happens to us. I, I want everybody to give yourself permission to not feel guilty or bad or about taking a needed break. It's okay. If some things wait. You know, I had hundreds of people, you know, write really beautiful notes on Facebook 
And I looked at that one morning and I said, they'll understand if I don't reply to every one of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And that gave myself, you know, some of that, you know, emotionally, that little bit of space that you need. I think, you know, looking at these three physically, what have I done uh, as quick as possible during this time of strife? I, I protect my sleep. I do whatever I can to get enough sleep. So me, sleep is the big one for physical. Um, Recently, I have been trying to figure out how to juggle my lifestyle of travel and going from here to there and back to back to back to back to back meetings and trying to figure out, you know, healthy snacks and alternatives. And so I've started some, some new things uh, that are, that are working great, but it's, it's just knowing that life is going to be interrupted. So how do you manage the interruption as best as possible? Uh, it's not perfect, right? It's <laughs> traveling on airplanes all the time. You can't just pack up a bunch of fresh veggies and mm-hmm. proteins and everything else. If you're going to be gone for four days, <laughs> you know, that would mean that you would, you can't take ice on the plane and you can't, uh, you, you, that means you have to shop when you get there. And so that's just not practical all the time. So how do you make the best choices when you can? But the point is thinking in advance, what is the best option? Yeah. So we do that. So that's physical, mainly right now at sleep. I'm not getting enough exercise, uh, mentally, boy, it's that morning input. So mental and emotional, I'd almost put a slash between those two. things. Sure. Sure. Uh, they are two separate things. One of them is brain power. I'm learning something or growing mentally. I'm feeding that mind. But emotionally is the soul. You and I talked about that just mm-hmm. briefly. Mm-hmm. For me, the the soul is um, what am I grateful for? Who do I love? Who loves me? Uh, a lot of that comes from scripture and God's word. Um, but I need quiet. My, my mind needs quiet to emotionally process things. My weakest thing that I do is too much, too much of everything, you know? So I traveled. So yesterday I was in Phoenix and I told my, I was with, uh, Cindy and Julie and, they we met downstairs and I said, good news. I woke up at five o'clock mm. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> oh. You know, so that's two, right? Yeah. yeah. And all day long, I'm like, well, that's like sleeping to four in Dallas. That's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so we landed. We get home last night. The plane lands at 1115. I get to bed at 1245. That's just too long of a day. Oh. Yeah. But because I was out all day yesterday, all the meetings I couldn't have yesterday. Guess what I did today? I put those in. Yeah. So that's my weakest link. Yeah. Is just overloading the cart. Um, but because my sleep was good because I'm getting the right nutrition, um, cause I'm grateful it's doable for mm-hmm. a short period of time, not mm-hmm. forever, but just for a season. Yeah. 
Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, I like the word that you use, giving ourselves permission and some grace in that as well, because I have definitely with, with this type of a topic being such a focal point of my life, my vocation, everything, I can also become a slave to it. And all of a sudden adhering to it is more important than primarily relationships sometimes is where I can do that. So my wife can tell you sometimes she wishes I would not be so consistent with these things. And I, yeah. I hear that. I do. You know, I get up at 4.30, 4.45 regularly, and I think I read where the CEO of Apple gets up at 3.45. Ugh. And that made me feel guilty. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I'll have to raise my hand and say, uh, any, any waking up with, with 5 o'clock, 5 anything feels super early to me. I'd be happy to never see that number. I like 6 <laughs> or so. <laughs> and I like seven or eight hours of sleep. Well, well, Hey, good content already. My gosh. Well, let's read through a few of these then Tom, um, Mo Skelton. Uh, he says every day first, I read the Bible and pray. Then I listen to or read on leadership and business. I exercise regularly and try to spend focused time with my family. I struggle with intentional accountability and with sharing my own difficulties. I work in healthcare, but don't attend my own appointments for checkups regularly enough, uh, which is very indicative of people in healthcare. Uh, I've started writing more thank you notes. It's a great reminder of the importance of people in life now and previously. Man, that's, that is great. I'll have to say that one on the thank you notes or just recognizing people as one you have inspired me and Tom, as you've shared before, that sometimes it's even when you're feeling not only, but sometimes when you're feeling down, you'll go and encourage other people. Uh, so yeah, writing thank you notes is a great aspect of that. Mo, that was, yeah, thank you for, for sharing it. That was real and, uh, good stuff. That was, yeah. Um, Jim Smith says, I try to ride my bicycle daily, at least 10 miles days I can, I get on the treadmill and in the winter on my trainer. I also walk each evening with my wife. Uh, two, I have my morning for mental. I have my morning Bible reading and prayer time. I listen to podcasts during my part-time job as a janitor. I spend time with the Lord and spend time with my wife. This is for the emotional. And I like meeting with guys regularly, but that's dropped, dropped off recently. And he says, personal development is my biggest area of struggle. I'm trying to start a side hustle and finding that the success happens mostly between my ears and that's been my area of weakness most of my 63 years of life. That's uh, pretty, I think he speaks for a lot of people there, Tom. Yeah. You know, in order to make something happen, we've got to have the right mindset, the right strategy, and the right action. Um, it's, it's like when I coach speakers, we have a, a program called Ziegler Speakers Institute. And the, and the common thing that... Um, speakers will, will have is they'll, they'll spend 95% of their prep time on the body of the talk and then 5% of their prep time on the call to action. Hmm. And it's the call to action that actually changes lives, right? Because if we're a speaker and we're communicating something that could change their life, we want them to go take action on it. Well, Jim, you did what most of us do is we do all the prep hmm. of what we could do and should do, but then we don't do the do. And I think I used to tell salespeople, I would say, Hey, how would you like to have uh, one year of sales experience in three months? And these rookies would look up with me with big eyes and go, Oh yeah. How do we do that? I'd go, you just make four times as many calls. It's <laughs> <That's, that's laughs> not, that's not the pill we're looking for, Tom. Yeah. And Seth Godin is a huge 
advocate of ship it, yeah. you know, get it good enough, do the best you can get it out there, get feedback, certainly send it out with quality, mm-hmm. but don't wait on perfection. Yeah. Um, and so, man, maybe uh, a little bit of change in the routine of just shipping things, so to speak, get it, go do it. Yes. Taking action, secret sauce for all of us, figuring that out, you know, and on that Tom, as we read through these and you know, it's interesting to hear real people share the real things. I think a lot of times we're used to hearing the superstars and people who've achieved great things and hear what they do. And we try to, I mean, I'm a huge fan of modeling, meaning model after other success, but I have also fallen victim to, or, or, or game to, um, taking somebody else's secret sauce and trying to make it mine. And it's just not, and it's so interesting. You know, I, I love having the ear of, of you, Tom, as a friend and of other close friends who are really striving individuals and hearing them all after it usually takes time to come to the thing that really helps them have success like that. Like you t- saying, you got to have silent time to really process and you find the things that work for you in your life, in your economy. And that is the point here, folks, as you listen to these, these are ideas and things. Some of them may be confirming. Some of them you may resonate with. Some of them you may hear and go, Oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Well, if it does, it probably would be terrible for you. I mean, you're looking for your, your secret sauce here. Yep. And I, you know, there's a couple of people have already mentioned kind of the aversion to accountability. Yeah. Uh, boy, that's me in spades. And I, the book that I have coming out would have never come out if I just, if I hadn't written the book proposal that somebody held me accountable to. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But I knew I had to write, I, my plan was I'm going to write the book and then see who wants it. And that mm. never happened. Yeah. Right. I had to sell the idea and somebody said, I'll take that. And now I have an accountability partner with, with, you know, big things at stake. I wrote it. So mm. sometimes we have to understand and know ourselves so much that we, we build an accountability partner into our life. Yes, 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 yes. That is me as well. I don't like accountability, but I often have to have it or I don't take action. Well, Mandy Chase here, she says, I walk during my lunch break at work. Uh, for mental, she listens to positive podcasts. And three, she says, I know my limit of how much I can have on my plate before I will get stressed. Well, that would make her rare amongst Americans there. I struggle the most with number three, uh, the emotional side. Even though I know my limit, life often has other plans for me. I mean, Tom, we're in a culture, we know there's so much content coming out right now about Americans specifically, Western culture, but Americans specifically, and stress and busyness. And I was talking with my, uh, my good friend, Randy, who you know this morning, and we were talking about just our electronic devices. We're actually talking about it in regards to our kids, but we got talking about ourselves, you know, that when we are standing in line somewhere at the bank, at the haircut place, at the, you know, wherever we may be, it used to be that you would, you know, look around, maybe say something to somebody, notice things around you. Now you whip out your phone and start looking at it. And I've realized that a couple of times and thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be attached to that. So I put it in my pocket and I feel like the biggest goober on the planet. Like I'm the only guy who doesn't have a, an important enough life to at least have something to look at on my phone. I, I'm the least of, <laughs> of all these. There's some cultural pressures to just be have margin to look off in space, to uh, stand there doing nothing. That is, it's getting to be unheard of, you know? 
Yep. And when I did the memorial for mom and I was trying to sum up quickly, you know, what, what's, what's the thing that made her stand out? I said real simply that she's a who now person, not a what's next person. Yes, you did. I remember that. And who now is no smartphone. It's the human being in front of you. Mm. And what's next is everybody looking at their watch, their phone, look, saying, you know, gosh, I hope this bank line hurries up because I've got this and this and this and this. Right. Can I get that? Can I finish this email or this text before they ask me? You know, you see it at stoplights every day, people on their phone trying to get one more thing done. So be a who now person. Well, you just stepped on my toes. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Josh Polins, Polison, Paulison. He says, physically, he says, I do embarrassingly little. Uh, money's very tight. It feels more important at this time in life to be able to eat enough than to eat healthy. The water at my place is questionable, which makes it worse. I also have a tendency to work through meals because I get in the zone. I'm a terrible example in this area right now. Okay. Uh, mentally, he says, I pray. Uh, I try to be self-aware. I acknowledge my emotions, which I'll explain more in the next part and ask God for guidance. So he says, emotionally, number three, I've started acknowledging how I feel consistently, and this has helped me mentally be more present. Most of my friends have noticed a clear difference. I used to shut down my emotions all the time in tiny ways, and that kept me from being present and really offering myself. I found that even if it's an emotion, I'm worried will get in the way like anger. It will often be processed quickly or almost immediately just by acknowledging it, or at least that takes me in the right direction. And then four, he says, I most struggle physically right now, though part of that is perhaps simply this phase of life, but I feel like that's a lame excuse. Well, man, first, Josh, thank you for sharing, man. That was, that was some real, that was some vulnerable stuff there. Uh, and on the emotional side, sharing emotions and not acknowledging that, you know, Tom, I'd say that's, that's a consistent struggle, uh, for me is to, I tend to be incredibly stoic in that arena and not giving emotions, any, uh, value necessarily to my own detriment. So what Josh says there is, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm part of your club there, Josh. And thanks for, thanks. Thanks for the call out on that. Yeah. And Holly, I mean, who else out there is kind of emotional? You put yourself at the end of the line every single time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you get you get to you get to snap. You ever had this where you just snap? Yeah, yes, yeah. So I I like what you're doing there, Josh, on recognizing an emotion and putting it in its place uh, rather than just burying it. Um, mm-hmm. That is a hard thing to climb out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't meant for that. So, yeah. Well, I, you know, in just the same way you share your lack physically with physical health and wellness, um, man, what a huge, what you've done emotionally and making that difference. That is a, an action for the better that is, makes you a giant in my book. Um, few people ever make a change to that degree and that's a huge one. So, uh, again, thank you. Johnny Ferris here. He says, I have never been consistent with anything. 
That's a mystery to me on how one becomes consistent. That's all he wrote. And some of the short answers I didn't even include, but I did that one because I thought that's real. That's honest. That's uh, vulnerable. And I would say that there's a lot of people, even here listening to the Ziegler show, which by proxy of listening means uh, just like Johnny, he's here listening. He's here participating. He wants more. He knows there is, there is more. And yet an admission like that, I would say, well, I want to say, Tom, a lot of people can relate to that. But man, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I mean, this is this goes back to scripture. I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. And there's not a day in my life that goes by where one, I need to focus on gratitude. But if I'm also honest, I would admit, admit there are some things that I wish I had done better. There are some things where I surprised, I disappointed myself. Um, and, and not to not to beat myself up and to, to live in guilt, but I don't know if anyone goes through a day where they're completely uh, feel perfect with everything they did and doing that consistently doing the right things. I mean, that's why we're talking about this topic today. It is, it is a daily effort, right, Tom? It is. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he's very consistent at breathing. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he's at least getting some sleep every night. So there's consistency there. Um, food, you know, eating something. So, you know, whenever I see, um, um, I like to change the vocabulary. I have never been consistent with anything. (laughs) I mean, that's like saying I'm always inconsistent, but that's not true because there are certain things that you're doing. And so what I would say is, Hey, wait a second, we've got a base to build on here. I have been consistent in some things. Uh, it may not be the things that you think are important or that others think are important, or maybe the way you look at things. And so I always, always say this, that whenever we're going to hire somebody, um, we ask ourselves, you know, is that person going to be successful? And what we conclude is that the best indicator of future success is past success. And so what I want you to think about is what could I be consistent with for a few days, Mm. something small and just add to it. Just do one more day, just do one more day. And I think you'll be surprised if you just have that mantra, one more day, one more thing, one more day, one more thing. I'm getting more and more consistent every day in every way. If you just keep saying that, even if that's the only consistent thing, I'm getting more and more consistent every day in every way. Um, then you start identifying the things that you want to be consistent in and you got to grow it like a muscle. And this is, you know, this is something that I struggled with. Dad like had the discipline gene like born into him, Mm. not me. (laughs) (laughs) Less work meant less work. Yeah. You know, dad was like, Ooh, that's done. What next? You know, I was like, Hey, come on. We finished that. (laughs) We got done today and it's only 11 and this is awesome. And, and so it's a muscle that we've got to build. So some people, they need, what's, what are you building towards? What is mm-hmm. it that you want to accomplish? And maybe that's the issue is you haven't had that, you know, sit yourself in the corner and figure out, okay, what is it that I want to build? What's the thing that I want to accomplish? Um, and an accountability partner will help a great deal with that. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. You know, it doesn't have to be anything like monumental in the eyes of the world, but for you, it could be very significant. 
Yes. And to me, you're speaking to motive. Uh, when I hear such things, I generally have found that the motivation is just not big enough and you either need to grow the motive or, or let it go. I mean, sometimes I've realized that with me, there's things that I want to want, but I just don't really. And I don't enough. I don't have a big enough motive. I don't have enough big enough desire or big enough pain to want to do them. And there have been times when I've just let it go and go that, you know, it would be great to want that. I just don't. I do want some other things though, but to, to what Johnny's saying there, I, I would venture to say, I, and I know there's, there's a lot of folks sitting in a place of wanting to want more, but they don't. I would, I would have you look at, there's a lot of shows here, a lot of talk about goals and visions and what you want further ahead to look ahead and say, where do you want to be in five years? Where are you, where are you not? Okay. If you don't, if you don't get to, where are you not okay to continue in the way that you are? And just really look at that motive. I think a lot of us try a thousand different things when uh, nothing's going to work because our motive is just not big enough. And so there's the place to start. I think for a lot of us, with a lot of things. You know, Kevin, we had a business discussion yesterday about uh, the the 18 to 35-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And one of the motives is, you know, they would rather have a business that they could do anywhere in the world. And they're happy making sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 instead of what the culture says, hey, you need to be making, you know, six figures and up. Mm -hmm. they would, they, they're happier making, say, $75,000 living in a place like Costa Rica or Bali and having the lifestyle they want. But there's so much pressure to, you know, get the house payment, get the SUV payment, you know, get cable, do all these other things. Uh, maybe it's coming to the realization that what motivates you isn't exactly what the norm is, but is the norm right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just do nothing because if we go for what we want, we think too many people are going to look down on it and go, I don't understand. You're wrong. And that's not at all what it's about. I really think the only thing that's consistent, no matter what your motive is, is, hey, we've got to, we've got to develop into the person God created us to become. Yeah. And that is a self-personal development journey um, that has, you know, there aren't any dollar signs on either side of that. That's really a commitment of time and effort. Mm -hmm. Right. Hey, I'm living this out right now with a daughter, an 18 year old daughter who just graduated high school. She excelled in everything 4.0 top of the class, top of her, uh, singing group, choir group, top, uh, of this and that. I mean, just, I mean, she, she was perfect, you know, for that big college, uh, endeavor. And yet she just doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to go right now. It's just not, she, and she, she's a, she's a, an entrepreneur at heart. She doesn't want to go. She loves the arts and yet she's struggling right now today, the last few days as her boyfriend, best friend, take off to college, take off to an endeavor. And she's still trying to look at what does she want to dive into? And uh, it's, it's a cultural pressure. I look at her and step back and go, man, she is just in a great place in all ways, shapes and form. But the cultural pressure is where she's dealing. She knows it. And yet she still has to face the reality of the next day and, uh, friends, family, everybody. And that is such a gigantic issue. I think for all of us, what you just said, Tom. Yep. 
Well, Steve Rosen, he says, one, physically, uh, I consistently seek out new ways that challenge my body in a fun way. Also, it helps give me relief from having PTSD. Uh, and, and Steve, we know Steve, he is a physical, uh, that's what he does. Physical trainer. That's his profession. And he is a retired, uh, army, I believe guy. Um, I find, but he says, uh, I find it the, the, the cha- the body challenging stuff. I find it cathartic and healing. Mostly I do ground based animal moves. So if you want to see what that is, type Steve, <laughs> type Steve Rosen, R O S E N into Facebook. You should find Steve, but he does, you'll see that on there. And he does a lot of, there is a word for that, that I'm at a loss for, but without using weights, extra weights and stuff, just using your body weight, your body movement and uh, re- really cool things. Uh, two mentally, he says with PTSD, some days it's like trying to listen to a song while someone is rolled running an old loud 1970s canister vacuum in my head. So I just try and focus on smaller tasks that don't overwhelm me emotionally. Again, PTSD influences this. However, I'm, re- I'm responsible for ensuring I do all I can to seek out emotional maturity so I can function as best as possible and maybe just, maybe just end up in a good mood. I wrap this all up by surrounding myself with kind and supportive people. I feel lifted up by many who care. And I hope that that helps. Um, that does, that's, that is a great, I mean, obviously he has a big focus. I think again, so many people, uh, you've got a specific thing, a trauma, a challenge in your life. So I appreciate Steve wrapping all this around the primary challenge in his life and how he utilizes each of these areas to help address that in, uh, but in real world, that wasn't a Pollyanna. Hey, I've got it whipped. That's a, that's a daily, a daily endeavor, which is, it's what our Bible calls us to Tom. That's right. You know, to me, the thought that just came to my mind is you're driving down the road and you got to get somewhere and all of a sudden your car needs gas. You don't have an option. You got to stop and get gas, right? Otherwise your car is not going to get to where it needs to go. And all of us run into turkeys. All of us have bad days. All of us have people who want to tear us down. People usually we don't know very well. And so what we've got to do is we've got to have the gas station planned out in our mind. Uh, who who are we going to go get gas from? And that's kind of what Steve said. He said he's 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 making a conscious decision to surround himself with kind and supportive people. His Facebook page is very supportive. I was I was working with a young guy and man, somebody rained on his parade, uh, called him names that were unjustified. And here's a guy who's dealing with uh, a pretty, you know, a significant um I don't know if you call it a, a disability or whatever. And my heart was like, how could somebody do that to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, but to this guy's credit, man, he, he knew where the gas station was. Mm-hmm. And so he reached out to me and he talked to some other people. And so he was able to handle it. And so all of you listening out there, man, if you, if you've been through something, whether it's as significant as PTSD or, or, or going through a situation, maybe you've had something happen in your life, know where your gas stations are um, and plan it as make it part of your trip. You never know when you're going to need gas and do that. So make that part of your, your life. So mm-hmm. that's a great emotional, uh, we could call it the emotional life raft. Well, I, Go ahead. All of us need it. All of us need it every now and then. I like your gas stations. That's that's what we're talking about here. That's where we're you know coming from your dad's message that we started off with here and talking about where are the areas that we can 
fill ourselves up, invest in ourselves so that we can stay up. So we don't, we're, we're less prone to falling when, and it's so much harder to get up. And, you know, I will say something on that. I mentioned cycles before that as we look at these, finding the secret sauce for yourself too, as you talked about have giving yourself permission, Tom, I would also give yourself permission to find what works for you today and then not be disappointed if 30 days from now, six months from now, whatever, as you consistently do that, you find that you have kind of, it's not gassing you up as much. Um, find a new gas station. I, so I well, I, it, and I thought about, it, I was reading ahead here. Our next one we're going to read here. He talks about doing devotions and I have had a handful of devotional books that I use in the morning. Uh, one of them is Jesus calling. One of them is the Ziegler devotional. Uh, one is the book of mysteries and the other one is, um, the daily stoic, I think is what it's called. And I've been reading through those and I'll look for whichever one hits me. And it's interesting that sometimes they overlap and I've been doing that. And recently I just realized as I picked up that stack of books, it was just kind of a chore. And I thought, wait a minute, that, I, there's no points in heaven for doing this specific series of, of devotionals in the morning. And I went through my bookshelf and just got hit with a book actually on marriage I thought, man, I really want to read that book. That's what I'm reading in the morning. I get into the scripture. So anyways, on that, on your aspect, I like that, Tom, of gas stations, of finding what gases you up in these areas, but then also realizing the day that it comes and that certain thing doesn't, find another one and and give yourself permission for that. Absolutely. I love the book of mysteries. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for turning me on to that. You're welcome. Uh, Sean Langwell, he says, I love the outdoors and nature living in Sonoma County enables me to visit and hike along the Sonoma and Marin coast. Frequently. I stretch and play basketball occasionally Two spiritually. I read at least one or two devotionals every morning before I get out of bed. Sometimes they will inspire journaling or content for one of the three books I'm writing. I pray in the morning and throughout the day, and I connect with other sober friends and refill my spiritual cup with one to three AA meetings week, uh, weekly and attend Sunday night services at New Life Christian Fellowship. Uh, number three, emotionally is where I struggle at times. If I pray and turn my will over to God daily, my days go pretty good. If I try to control everything and do too much or get stuck in my head, my day usually stinks. I'm practicing to pause before I react. It's all about progress, not perfection. Thank God for his grace. Uh, I'm practicing to pause before I react. We did a show, Tom, you may remember the message from your dad. It was on that. It was on having, on being able to re, uh, to respond, healthfully respond instead of just react, uh, proactive as opposed to reactive. Again, man, such a hard thing, I think for our humanity at large, our humanness. Yeah. 100%. And, and, you know, just like we have, uh, gas stations to get filled up. I think we, we've got to have, uh, plan B's in place when the thing doesn't go as planned. Hmm. That was, hmm. that was one of the things that I didn't even think much of it when dad was alive. And then I look back at his life, my goodness, he had a plan B for every bit of bad news that came in. It never hmm. phased him. Hmm. In other words, he'd already, he'd experienced it before a similar type of rejection or a plane that was delayed or a deal that didn't close. And he had an automatic plan B response that basically said, okay. And then he went and did what he could. Uh, so, so that's good. The pause before I react is awesome. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a, if it's a, you know, if it's a similar type of, uh, 
bummer <laughs> that we get, go ahead and have that uh, action in place of what you're going to do. Create the positive response, the positive habit that gets you going on the right track as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, what is that that my good friend Tom Ziegler says the fastest way to success is replace a bad habit with a good habit. Uh, I don't know how many times that comes to mind, Tom. Thank you for that. Uh, Gregory Byerline, he says, I want physically 35 to 40 minutes of running each week and eating as clean as possible. Mentally reading books that stretch my mind, including what I don't already align with plus podcast and constructive thoughts. And then uh, emotionally seeking balance between either extreme, reserving each extreme for when appropriate and necessary. And I take that to mean emotional extremes, which is an interesting uh, thought. I do. I was, I was pulled out by, or, or uh, just resonated with him saying I, in his mental area, including what I don't already align with. I got to give credit to my dad, Dan Miller for that. He was always one to not just become an expert and a master in the area that lined up with his beliefs, but also to do due diligence for areas that stretched him that maybe didn't align with to better understand others, to better stretch his own thinking. And I, I just honored that in him and still do to this day, because I know that I am prone to just go after, I mean, I get excited about the content that supports how I already think. That was, uh, so here was something I realized I'm cleaning out mom and dad's and I'm going through the books, hundreds of books, still hundreds of books. And now I'm boxing them up because we're either going to keep them as a family or we're going to give them away or donate them. And the thing that I was blown away by, Kevin, was how many books dad had on different religions. Mm. Huh. It, it was astonishing how many he had. And there was never a, a stronger believer, Christ follower out there, but he was so curious because he was always trying to build the bridge. He was always trying to figure out, hey, what what does somebody from that perspective really believe? And it wasn't because he was, you know, in the process of converting or trying to, you know, believe what they believe. He just wanted to know so that he could help them. Yeah. And I didn't realize until literally several boxes got filled with this type of information. And it just made me think about our culture today and how the climate is so closed that, Hey, I believe so strongly in what I believe. I'm not even going to entertain what you think or believe. Yeah. Uh, much less read anything or, or, or listen to, you know, any type of position that you would have. That's not getting us anywhere. So I love that opening it up to new things. Now, one of the things that I know dad did is he knew exactly what he believed and why. And so he was always testing new information against that. Well, um, even that is maturity and wisdom, I think, is to give, give other things a chance there. And yeah, I just, I know that I fall into that arena. I am most excited about content that supports what I already believe. But in that, I think that's why, well, gosh, to pick on, myself and my Christian brethren, that's where we often get picked as narrow-minded because we don't really have much understanding outside of that. And I don't think that that is fair. So it's a great testimony to hear that about 
the great Zig Ziglar, who everybody thinks of, I think, is, is the, one of the most incredibly devout Christian men that he was, um, that he was open, that he was interested. Oh, well, that's who he was. He cared about yep. other people. Yep. And the thing that's interesting to me is uh, when there was ever a discussion of faith, he likely knew more about the other person's faith than, faith than they did. Wow. But yeah. he never used that, right? I've seen people do that. Oh, you don't even know what you believe, right? Yeah. I've seen, I've, and boy, you want to you want to win an argument and lose a, a relationship. That's exactly what you say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dad was always so. Tell me why do you why you think that, and then he would you know then he would share uh, his belief. So good stuff. Yeah, that is a great testimony. Well, one more here, Matt Corich. Uh, if I said that right, he said once he started rollerblading for his cardio and he eats, eats mu- eating much healthier in 2018. No more soda of any kind, reduced foods, uh, which provide no nutrients. But for two and three, he says, I don't have a plan. I'm not consistent with either. And he's talking about mental or emotional. And I wing it. I need to apply the same discipline and desire in the areas of mental and emotional growth as I did in the physical. I need to instill good habits. And right now I am failing. I will try again tomorrow. You know, I just want to honor that. I will try again tomorrow. I come from circles of a lot of people who are so, you know, they're, they're passionate. And, but you can have that feeling of, you know, there is no trying. Do it or do it. And I would have to admit, I still give, I still give value to trying that we do get up and, and be free and have, as you said, Tom, permission, permission to try, permission to try and not to excel, to, to fail to some degree, but to continue trying to not be afraid of doing that. Cause when we feel like it's all or nothing and, uh, and we're lacking sometimes, I think that perspective can keep us from taking a step, taking a baby step, just, just making an effort, you know? Yeah. I I'm wondering here. Um, I've had periods in my life just like that. Uh, I think we all have mm-hmm. the thing that helps me the most is, okay, what is something I want to accomplish? What would I like to be, do, or have, right? Who do I need to become to do that? And then I do the little step to becoming that person. Mm-hmm. And that might give more direction and, and increase the consistency of, of creating the good habits. If we're not sure where we're going to, where we want to end up, any direction will do. In fact, staying right where we are is just fine. <laughs> if we don't know where we want to go. Right. And so I think digging into where you want to go. Uh, one of the things that I learned when our daughter, Alexandra was uh, getting in high school, she was getting ready to pick a college, maybe pick a direction and study, maybe pick a potential career is instead of saying, uh, this is exactly what you were built for, you know, which is one thing out of a hundred thousand choices. We said, okay, here's the direction you should head off in. So it's like a pie slice. So Mm. instead of turning in a circle and saying any direction will do, we said, no, Let's go off in this direction and learn as much as we can because we know it's in the general direction. And as you learn more, you'll refine the direction that you're going in. And so maybe that's a good place to start. Um, One of the psychologists that we talked to said this, hey, 
identifying what you don't like is just as important as identifying what you do. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so a lot of times, you know, it's like, I don't know if you, well, Kevin, this would be dangerous if you had this. Cause you know, when we get in the car and say, where do you want to eat? There's two or three of us. If you say that there's like what, 11. That's true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You have to have a plan. Yeah. Now, we get in the car and we say, where do you want to eat? And usually it's like, well, I don't want this and I don't mm-hmm. want that, which is great, right? We're narrowing it down. And so maybe as you look at the goals that you have, maybe you've already crossed a bunch of stuff off and that'll give you a really good uh, indication of which direction you should head in. When you've got a general direction, then it's easier to get specific. Okay, I'm going to build this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to you know, set a goal to learn that. So. I, I totally agree. I think that's a great construct for a lot of people to adopt who are struggling with what are the desires in their life? What are the goals in their life? Well, Tom, it was like the show you and I recently did where you talked about our propensity as humans to be more problem focused, problem solving focused than we are goals focused. We think of those. Well, similarly, as folks are looking at what are the things that they want to do, what are some decisions they want to make when they can't come up with those? This is what I want to look and go, oh, yeah, we're so often, well, I at least know what I don't want. And that for the, with the food is a, is a great one to do. We can p- apply that to so many areas in our life where we say, well, I don't want this. We can apply that to a, a marriage partner or to a career to say, gosh, I know I don't want this. I know I don't want this. That's a great place to start when we're faltering on saying, gosh, what exactly do I want, which is a struggle for a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, folks, thank you. This is great content. Thanks for sharing. Thanks to all of you who, who do so consistently share yourselves. It's a gift to others. And Tom, always a gift to walk through these lives and our own with you. Awesome. All right, friends, I trust you got some inspiration and confirmation to bolster these areas of your life to keep you up. If you got value from the show, please let Tom and I know, leave a review in iTunes and really mention this specific show and the value you received from it. I'll fill you in on our next show after I share some great resources with you. Coming up next in show 609, we're back to look at the habits of Lisa Grimes, my guest in show 607. Lisa has a new book she co-authored with Paula Brown Stafford titled, Remember Who You Are, Achieve Success, Create Balance, Experience Fulfillment. Lisa's focus, just to give you a refresher, if you didn't hear 607 yet, which I strongly recommend for you, but her focus is living life meaningfully and on purpose and being connected to other people. She spent 33 years in corporate America with roles in management, sales, and business development and multiple stints as CEO of really large companies. She's also been an entrepreneur. She spent a decade as a decorator. And she adopted a child who is deaf and mute after being told that she couldn't have children. She's been a very busy woman, and it's really enlightening to hear the habitual things she does to keep herself well. Check this out. She suffers from osteoarthritis and had her stem cells injected into her joints, making her the first person in the world to have this done in her hands. She's also done that on both knees. She also has a gift of hospitality, which lends itself to her belief in the high value of connecting with others in personal life and in business. Again, we covered that ground in the first interview with her. 
So till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>